Blog Talk Radio. Rumors are flying, and as usual, most of them aren't true. We'll get to the bottom of who's saying what and what's real and what's not tonight on Tune In Tomorrow. Good evening, everybody. It's another Monday night. That means it's time for another edition of Tune In Tomorrow. I'm Richard Sims, the executive editor of Soaps In Depth. I'm also the one who, if you live tweet with us every day, I'm the one who's on the other end of that. And uh, lots of stuff going on in the world today. Uh, But before we get started, if you want to join the conversation, we're going to be live for the next hour or so. I may end up cutting the show a little short depending on the conversation and if other people are holding up their end of it. Because as you might be able to tell, I have a little bit of a scratchy throat. I um, I don't know what's going on, but I'm not feeling my best. So we may end up cutting the show short. So if you're thinking about calling in, call in now. The number is 714 Eight six eight zero seven four nine. Again, the number seven one four eight six eight zero seven four nine. And I will be uh, happy to talk to you. Just uh, indicate. I think it tells you to push the number one, and that will tell me that you're on the line. And I will take your calls. So uh, we're going to start right off the top of the hour with. Hmm. I don't want to sound like a certain someone, but we're going to be talking about some fake news here. Uh, as some of you may have seen floating around on Facebook and a couple of, uh, let's call them, less reputable sites, there's some rumors going around about things that were said and or done at the YNR and B&B fan club events this weekend. And uh, the fact of the matter is they're not true. For example, um, people have been talking about supposedly um, – that Mal Young, who's the executive producer of YNR, and he is also taking over as the head writer with Sally Sussman on her way out the door. Uh, they've been talking about the fact that he supposedly was, in essence, trash-talking both Amelia Heinley and the character of Victoria Newman, and that's that's just simply not true. Uh, as he explained on Twitter, there's no truth at all. Only only time – oh, sorry, that's the wrong one. That's the other rumor we're going to talk about. He said, no truth whatsoever. We love Amelia. Never listen to unfounded speculation. And that's something that I try and talk to you guys a lot about is there are a lot of sites out there that do a lot of things in order to get your attention to, um, more importantly, get your hits because – you know, the more hits they get, the more they can get you talking, the more um, it's good for them to get hits for their advertisers. And they will do a lot of things that are pretty unscrupulous. Um, I've read several articles today on a certain site that keeps claiming that SoapCentral.com is reporting things that they flat out are not reporting. Um, you know, um, as you guys know, Dan Cole, who runs Soap Central, is a very good friend of mine. And uh, all you have to do is click on the link that they provide, and it does take you to Soap Central, but it does not say what they say it's saying. So, you know, I'm a big advocate of believing your sources. You know, if if someone repeatedly gives you bad information, gives you spoilers that aren't true, or flat-out lies to you, stop going to them. 
there's an old saying that, uh, you know, when people show you who they are through word or deed, believe them. And these sites have shown you time and again. So, you know, if somebody is out there spreading rumors and they're turning out not to be true, stop listening to them. Uh, another rumor is that um, Mal Young was supposedly talking about Adam, uh, Adam Newman, and the character returning, and Michael Muni's status. And again, not true. As Mal has said on Twitter, the only time that uh, the character of Adam was even mentioned was when he basically said to stop asking him about Adam. What's funny is you'll see a lot of people out there reporting that his saying uh, that they should not, that they should stop asking about Adam. They're taking what he says there, and they're translating it as they want to hear it. They're hearing that as, oh, that means the character's coming back, or, oh, that means the character's not coming back, or that means that Michael Muni is coming back, or that means that Michael Muni's not coming back. And it doesn't mean any of that. What it means is stop asking him. You know, he, he is not answering the question. Maybe, maybe there is, um, it, it, you know, frankly, I do believe that eventually Adam Newman would ret- will return because just from a storyline point of view, um, it makes sense. I do the same thing that you guys do. I sit and I, you know, I pay attention to what's being said and I, uh, you know, I, I watch the show I, and I, try and speculate about what I believe will happen. That is not saying that I am saying things will happen. It's not even me talking as a representative of Soaps in Depth. It's me saying that as a fan like you guys, I do the same thing. I watch the show and I think, oh, what would make good soap opera? In this case, with The Young and the Restless, it's good soap opera for Adam to come back. Now, I'm not a fan of Back from the Dead. You guys know that's one of the things that I um, complain about on a regular basis because I think that um, I'm a big believer that when you, if you routinely allow characters to come back from the dead, you are sort of taking away any emotion inherent in the process of a character dying because if the viewers are sitting there and they're supposed to be weeping at a character's death and really what they're doing is they're sitting there and they're saying, oh, the char- you know, he'll come back when they decide to write him back in or when the actor decides to come back. It takes away from the value of that death. If we're constantly thinking that every character on the show is coming back, if death no longer has any meaning or any value, then, then it's hard to play big emotional beats. So like I said, I do not think that characters should come back from the dead. But like all soap opera fans, I am sometimes hypocritical. Soap opera fans generally will say things like, wow, this show is overcrowded. I don't want to see another actor on this show. Unless they're going to bring on my favorite, then it's okay. In this case, I'm doing the same thing. I don't think that soaps should bring characters back from the dead. But from a storyline point of view, it makes sense to think of, of uh, to assume that they would bring Adam Newman back from the dead. Because think about it. Adam's wife, who he loved with all of his heart, Chelsea, is now married, or not married, she's now living with his brother, Nick. That's inherent soap drama. You know, bring, bring uh, Adam back onto the canvas and play Chelsea's situation where she is torn between the man she is currently with and the man that she has loved with all of her heart, who she has a child with. That, that's just great soap drama. So do I think that eventually... Adam will come back from the dead? Yeah, I do. 
Is that something that has been confirmed? No, it is not. Is there any news whatsoever to report about Michael Muni coming back? No, there is not. Uh, you know, that's just and, – and if the soap is smart, they will play it the exact same way that the Bold and the Beautiful did with Sheila's return. If you remember, nobody knew Sheila was coming back. There wasn't a whisper of it. No, I mean, even those of us in the soap media – did not know that Kimberlyn Brown was coming back. I was not. I was not watching that day. I was actually home, and uh, Charlie texted me and said, "Turn on the Bold and the Beautiful right now. Don't don't go on the internet. Don't be spoiled by it." And as we all know, that had great impact. So if I was working at YNR and if I was, you know, Mal Young, who's the executive producer and the head writer, so he's got you know the power to make these kind of decisions. If I was him. Of course I wouldn't tell you if I was bringing Adam back because think of the impact if one day Chelsea opens the door and there he stands. That's good soap opera, and that's, you know, that's one of the things that I always will champion, even if it sometimes goes against some of the things that I kind of believe in as, as, you know, as a lover of the genre. The other big news that came out since the last show, and we haven't had a show in a couple of weeks, so there's some stuff to talk about. There's been some shakeups at General Hospital. Um, William DeVry, after the, you know, just the longest, most extensive contract negotiation ever, at long last, we now know that they have reached an agreement and William DeVry and Julian will be staying around. Now, there's a little bit of bad news to report where that's concerned because, yes, he signed a new contract. Yes, Julian will be sticking around, but there was a big gap between when the when William DeVry had his last day at the studio taping and when they signed the contract, plus when they signed the contract, it was not for William DeVry to go immediately back to work because he has other projects in, 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 the, uh, in, in the pipeline that he's been working on. So as a result, uh, you know, we're going to see a Julian-free period. Now, that's not at all unusual. The soap has, uh, especially with General Hospital, that's happened fairly regularly of late whenever they have contract negotiations. We just saw this exact same thing happen with Roger Howard. When Roger Howard was going through contract negotiations, Franco basically disappeared from the canvas. In his case, you know, he just came back, and they explained that he had been in New York City dealing with this civil lawsuit. And they've come up with a cool way of not only bringing Franco back to the canvas, but of using his time away to kick off his next story point. Because if you've been watching, when Franco came back to the canvas, he brought back the artwork that he sort of got the rights to reclaim as part of the civil suit that he went to New York to defend. And they're using that as a way to kick off the next phase of the story. Uh, we saw last week Franco destroying his art, wanting to get rid of it. Then we saw him going to Ava. We're going to see him strike a deal with Ava, and some of this artwork is going to stick around, and one piece in particular is going to, as we head into the fall, catch some attention. Not only, you know, um, someone on the canvas is going to start sort of feeling some vibes from it, and we're going to begin playing with the notion of something from Franco's past, how it plays into his future, how it impacts Liz, and it will impact someone else on the canvas. So, you know, that's a great use of the character's absence. Right now, with William DeVry, we know that Julian is on trial. We know that, uh, you know, that they have to get rid of Julian for a while. So, yes, Julian is going to go to jail. That's not really a big secret. They talked about that at the fan club weekend. So while it's a spoiler, it's not 
you know, huge spoiler, but yes, Julian will be going to jail. And that's where he will be while we wait for the time to pass until William DeVry is actually back at the set shooting. What's going to be kind of interesting is seeing with Julian behind bars, how does this impact Alexis? You know, does Alexis take this opportunity to move forward with her life? Does she maybe look around her and see if there are um, other fish in the proverbial sea? Might she start dating? And if she does, what if she meets somebody and then Julian comes, you know, and, and then Julian gets out of jail through whatever means and comes home. So, you know, the, the good news is William DeVry has resigned. The bad news is that we will have some time with him off the canvas. The real shocker, though, for General Hospital fans came last week when, when uh, the news broke that Robert Palmer Watkins would be leaving. I freely, freely admit that this one sort of baffles me. Um, you know, he's a popular actor. He has really taken this role, which was played by Scott Clifton in the past. He's taken this role, made it his own. Uh, there was a time, okay, I'm going to confess something. There was a time when I did not care about Kiki. Um, there were, you know, I, I felt like she was sometimes more of a plot device than a character. But over time, I've really come to care for Kiki. I've really come to like Robert Palmer Watkins and Haley Aaron together as an on-screen pair. So, and, and there's so much story potential there. I mean, he's a quarter main um, we're about to head into a period where things at ELQ get interesting, and we're going to see Michael and, uh, and and Ned sort of you know jockeying for position at ELQ. That doesn't necessarily really impact Dylan because Dylan's always been sort of not that interested in ELQ. He used to be very interested in music. Now he's really into photography. He's working at Crimson. So there's not necessarily um, you know the ELQ drama, but he is a quarter main. And we're sort of trying to refocus some energy on the quarter mains. We've moved Ned and and his new wife, Olivia, into the house. Olivia's having some friction uh, trying to get used to life as a quarter main. This seems like the worst possible time to write off Dylan. So um, I don't and, – and there's also – there's a big story coming up in the next few weeks that, that involves Dylan. So I'm baffled by this. I don't know exactly what's going on, what the, um, you know, what the backstage motivation for all this is. Who knows? And, of course, we're building towards Steve Burton returning. I am hoping. Now, at this point, there is very little information out there about who Steve will be playing. Will he be playing Jason? Will he be playing not Jason? Will Billy Miller turn out to be Jason? And this is somebody who's not Jason but looks like Jason. Is it somebody completely different? We don't no, you know, and uh, there's a lot of speculation out there about who he is, but again, no facts. And speculation are, speculation is sort of our enemy. We need to, you know, um, it's one thing to have fun and speculate. It's another thing to put speculation out there as facts, because that can be hurtful. You know, to go back to what was being said about what wasn't, you know, these claims of what was said at the Young and the Russell fan club, it's really hurtful for people to be out there saying that Mal Young and Jason Thompson and Gina Antonioni were trash-talking Amelia Hindley. It's untrue and it's unkind. It's just the kind of thing that I really don't like. And it's one of the reasons that I often tell you guys, you know, pay attention to where things are coming from. Pay attention to the source of nastiness. Pay attention to the source of truth. You know, when people tell you things that are true and they pan out, then that, that, 
that person or that source is worth paying more attention to than someone who nine times out of ten is wrong and is feeding you bad information or is just plain lying you know um there's that that's just that's untenable to me i'm not i'm really not a fan of that so there is a lot of information out there supposedly about steve burton and his time coming to general hospital but none of it is actually fact because nobody knows and the few people who do know aren't actually talking again i'm hoping that with steve burton they'll do the same thing that they did with uh, with Sheila and that he will just pop up on screen and we'll start telling the story of whether this is Jason or new Jason or old Jason or, you know, somebody named Bob, you know, maybe, maybe he'll show up and introduce himself as Bob. No, I don't know. And I'm excited that I don't know. Um, despite being a, uh, you know, there are things that I do know that I can't tell you, obviously. A lot of times on Twitter, I'll be talking about stuff and I'll be like, oh, I wonder what's going to happen here. And yes, I know, but I'm you know, sort of dumbing myself down, so to speak, because, you know, we don't want to give things away in advance. Uh, but in this case, I really don't know. And as far as I know, nobody else knows. So, you know, that's sort of where we stand with that. The next two issues of Soaps and Death um, are going to be the um, – uh, the next ones coming out are both going to be fall preview. So we will – um, we've spoken to Mal Young and gotten preview from him from The Young and the Restless. We spoke to, I believe we spoke to Brad Bell from The Bold and the Beautiful to get preview from him. And I personally interviewed Shelley Altman to get the preview that we're going to be doing for, <laughs> to, to do the uh, preview that we're going to be doing uh, from General Hospital. I had a nice long talk with Shelley. I'm getting messages here from some um, very devoted fan of the show who is um, uh, <laughs> sending me rather bizarre messages and I don't know how to respond to them. So I am, just as I do with fake news, going to ignore them. If you want to join the show and join the conversation, as you can hear, my voice is not doing so well. The number here is 714 eight six eight zero seven four nine again that's seven one four eight six eight zero seven four nine uh we're gonna take a call here i uh hold on one moment please we're gonna take a call here uh two six seven you might be on the air say hello hi hi who's this hi my name is fran hey fran how are you tonight I'm doing pretty well. How are you feeling? Uh, you know, my voice is not doing so great. And I don't know what it is, whether it's allergies or, you know, I'm coming down with something, but it's very, very scratchy. So I'm happy to have someone to talk to. <laughs> uh, oh, absolutely. Uh, where Where are you calling from, Fran? I am calling from Philadelphia. Um, but oh, okay. I'm calling because yeah. I actually was at both Y&R Weekend and GH Weekend. So um, I've been seeing a lot of this stuff on Twitter, too, and I can't believe how much stuff that's completely fake has just been coming out there as, like, it's gospel. Well, and Fran, I'm I, so glad I felt like I had to, to call in. Yes, I'm so yeah. glad that you are here to talk about this. So go ahead. Tell us, you know, get, first of all, tell us how the experiences were. I'm Now, you know, what's interesting to me about the two events is they're sort of completely different. Like, General Hospital. Oh, Absolutely. 
the various events involve, um, you know, not just meet and greets, but they like they actually they, a lot of the cast gets up and answers questions and stuff like that. And Bold and Beautiful is a little, and Y and R are a little bit more like you individually wander around and chat with them, right? Well, kind of. So, like with GH, you've got a lot of individual. I don't want to say private, but more exclusive events where it's one or two actors and you've got more time for Q&A with those particular people. With the Y&R event, that one is everybody kind of comes out in little spurts, but you don't really talk to them at the beginning, but there's a lot more time for meet and greet for the entire cast. And the other difference, at least that I saw, was that CBS put 100% support behind this, the Y&R event. So every actor, with the exception of three that had family situations or being sick, and one person that just didn't make it for whatever reason, the entire cast was there, and they stayed the entire time until the event was over. Whereas I was the, really surprised. They're also the also executive su- producers were also there. And That's what I was going to say. I was shocked by that. You know, like I, I shouldn't have been because Mal Young is, as I was saying earlier, the the stuff that really bothers me is I have talked to Mal Young numerous times since he joined YNR when he first came on as even before he was executive producer when he was brought on as sort of a supervising producer before he stepped into executive producer. He is a charming man. He is, you know, he is very nice, very sweet, and I'm pretty sure. You could stab him in the back, literally with a knife, and he would not speak ill of you. So it was bothersome. No, but he'll use it in a script, though. <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> so it was bothersome to me to hear people like basically impugning his reputation as if he would trash talk his cast. Uh, and in the, if he, and if he was going to trash talk his cast, he certainly wouldn't do it at a public event where all of the cast is hanging out. You know what I mean? No, and I actually got the opportunity to spend about 10 minutes talking to him, and I don't believe that he would say anything like that at all. I mean, the, he, when he came out on stage, when he was introduced at the beginning, you know, he thanked everybody for coming. He's really looking forward to talking to everybody, and he encouraged people to come seek him out and talk to him. And he said, the only thing is don't ask me about Adam. Yes, that was the o- that was the only thing that he said. Right, and, and then when you did actually go to talk to him, oh, I'm sorry, go ahead. No, I was just going to say, and that one sentence, "Don't ask me about Adam," has been interpreted as a million different things. You know that he's coming back, that he's not coming back, that they've hired Michael Muni, that they're that they're recasting, that they're and it, and literally all he said was, "Don't ask me about Adam," because he you know yeah, that was literally the, reason, the entire sentence. Right, and probably the reason he says that is you know he gets hammered with that every time he's on Twitter. When are you bringing him back? When are you bringing him back? When are you bringing him back? And, you know, it it, it came across to me as being almost facetious, like, oh, God, don't ask me about that, you know? Yes, that's how I interpreted it as well. Like, he was in a great mood. Um, He wasn't even the only producer and writer there. A lot of their executive staff was there. We didn't know, I, at least I didn't know who a lot of them were because I don't know what they look like. But seeing uh, Twitter and everything, they were there. So what was your takeaway from talking to Mal? Um, well, I thanked him for coming because, and encouraging people to talk to him because that does, you know, I think mean a lot. Um, I, at the GH weekend, a lot of people said, you know, Frank's always here. Why isn't he here? And there was no answer for that. Um, and I'm sure, I know it was TCA weekend. That's probably what it was. But the perception, especially with everything going on with the staffing and everything over at GH, because nothing's being said, the perception is different than probably what the facts are. 
Um, but from the time that I got to talk to Mal, he was very nice, very open. He encouraged people to write into the show with their questions and comments that, you know, if they have great ideas, send them in. They're, no guarantee they're going to get used. Um, but that he said he did say one thing that um, that he has up in the writer's wall in the writer's room up on the wall saying that he wants people to say I didn't see that coming, mm-hmm. and he that's their his goal moving forward now that you know he's kind of taken the helm. Um, so I'm actually very excited to see where that goes. Um, and something else he also said because I said he said you know which family are you kind of aligned with, and I said I love that we're getting more Abbots. You know, that were, you know, especially since uh, Beth Maitland, you know, who plays Tracy, she was there um, and she starts filming again this week. So she's coming back for a big arc, too, which I got very excited about. I agree. You can tell that, um, you know, one of the first things, even, even when Sally Sussman first came on, you know, her first episode was the Abbott Family Breakfast. And I was really excited about that. I, What is your take on the show right now as of, Sort of like what's been airing lately. What what do you what do you like? What do you not like? And what do you see as, you know, what are your positives and what are your what are your pros and cons? Um, I love the family aspect that is coming out um, with what's going on with Dina, who is this Graham guy. The flashbacks going back to how what kind of shaped Ashley and Jack as the people they are now. Um, I am enjoying that. I'm a newer YR viewer. I've only been watching. I think the day deal you got hit by the car was the first episode I saw. So it's only a couple of years. Um, so a lot of it to me is like is trying to is explaining a lot of what I've been seeing over the past couple of years. Um, I, I happen to really love the business stuff that's going on with Victoria Newman um, and Brash and Sassy. I'm not that crazy of how they're kind of destroying Kane, but from what I've learned, Kane wasn't a goody-goody when he first came on board. <laughs> So this, I shouldn't be as surprised as I as I am. So probably most other people probably saw this coming, um, but I've, there really isn't a lot for me to complain about on YNR right now. I'm I'm really enjoying a lot of it. It's funny. You I just really, really hope that they point. don't. I really hope they don't ass face though. I'm concerned about that since they aged all the other kids on the canvas. I really hope they don't ass her because Olivia is a fantastic little actress, and I want her to stick around for a long time. I completely agree, and to the best of my knowledge, they are not planning to do that. I think they really like they they like her, they like the way she plays with everybody, and it's just it doesn't really make a lot of sense to Soros her, especially since right now they're moving you know they're moving Nick and Faith into Chelsea's apartment basically, and so how do you Soros Faith without doing it to Connor as well? So, not that that's ever stopped shows from doing it. I mean. And I think right. that they might have – I think they also might have learned a little bit of a lesson. I think they sort of regret having aged Maddie and Charlie so much, so drastically, you know, because Crystal Khalil should not be playing the, the parent to teenagers. It's just – it just it looks silly. No, you know, it's, they, it's, it it's like a mathematical impossibility. <laughs> yeah, it's just, it's, just, it's just silly. But one thing you brought up that really – it's funny to me. Um, you're right in what you say that – Kane was not always necessarily the best of guys. He's done a lot of bad things. And and what's amusing to me is the people who have followed Kane's life, they know, you know, they've been watching for years, they know that Kane did this, that, and the other thing, and yet they insist on talking about him as if he would never do this. You know, and I'm like, 
no, he, he actually kind of would. You know, I mean, I love Kane, but he's not, you know, he's not the, the great, you know, pillar of, of morality that many Kane and Lily fans want to paint him out, picture him to be, oh, God, I'm going to get flamed for that. I just know it. But, uh, uh, you know, it's, it's I personally, I have said this repeatedly on Twitter, this is my favorite storyline for Daniel Goddard and, and Crystal Khalil. I think they are doing such good work. I didn't like how we got here. I hate the way they ruined Juliet for me, and I, I did not like the sexual harassment story. But the, the work that, the, that we're seeing Daniel and Crystal do as, as the marriage falls apart has been, for me, sublime. It's just, it's just fantastic soap opera. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. If I could say one more thing before I I probably get get cut off Um, about the GH weekend versus the the YR weekend. Okay, the GH weekend is phenomenal. I highly recommend anybody to to go. It's a fantastic experience. You get actual one-on-one time with the actors and the team that runs it. I think Debbie Morris runs it. um, Does a fantastic job. I don't think they got the same level of support from the show this year that they've had previous years, probably because of that other convention that happened in March. Um, Mm -hmm. But the weekends themselves, for both shows, are phenomenal. I encourage anybody who loves these shows, loves these actors and characters, go to either or both because they are a really great time. Um, It's it's just a very different experience when you go to each one. What was your favorite event from the GH weekend? Um, Probably Ryan Carnes event and um, James and Michelle's event. And what made those events stand out for you? Um, Ryan's event was a very, he doesn't normally do private events. um, So it was very low key. He brought his drum kit. So we got to see him in a very natural setting, um, you know, and talk to him in a a very kind of informal way. Um, And then Michelle and James, they're hilarious like really witty, hilarious banter between the two of them. Um, and both of them, you just got to see them. They're clearly friends outside, and that could be why their chemistry on screen is so fantastic, where even though you don't want to root for Valentine, you can't help but hope James sticks around. I'll tell you, I have struggled with that because I agree. I love James. I think he's, he's phenomenal. He's funny. He's talented, he's handsome, he's, he's the perfect soap hero. I just wish they hadn't introduced him in so vile a way, you know, by, by, by having yeah. him kill Nicholas and shoot Kevin, and because this show has a real problem with that. General Hospital yeah. has a really big problem with introducing characters in a terrible way and then saying, oh, but we're not going to punish them and we want you to like them. And they cast really good charismatic actors in those parts. It's very troubling. It absolutely. And somebody even asked actually in that event of, you know, I don't understand if Helena was so afraid of you. Yeah, you were bad, but you don't seem so big and bad right now. And it's both of them, James and Michelle, both went silent. I was like, just wait. So that's encouraging for something coming to make us want to hate him again. It's interesting because, you know, you talk about how close they are. Um, we, there was an event uh, a couple months ago that I sent one of our staff to. And um, he is not someone who has interacted with a whole lot of actors, and he was going to have a chance to sit. And he sat down at the table to talk to Michelle. And just when they started, they only had like 10 minutes to talk. 
So just when they started to do the interview, James came up, and James and Michelle basically turned the entire interview into a hysterical conversation about cake. And the reporter came back, and, and he's like, I, I, I don't know what to do with this. And I was like, you know what we do with this? We run it. It's hysterical. And so we did. We had this feature that ran a couple months ago. So it was basically Michelle and James talking about cake. It was, and I loved every second of it because it, it, it really captured the, 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 the spontaneous interaction between these two and how much they really, really like each other. And they actually liked that article because I brought that with me and had them both sign it when I got there, and they loved it. They actually took the time to look at it when I had it in front of them. I can't wait to tell Curtis that he's going to be so happy to hear that. You know, I think that's the thing about – one of the things I really like about the way they do the GH Band events is that you never know what you're going to get. You know, you go to one event, and it might be playing bingo. You go to another event, and it's – you know, breakfast and questions. You, there's just, there's just a really cool. A lot of the actors really take the time to sort of figure out what do I want to do with this event. You know, not just I'm not just going to sit here and answer questions. We're going to play some fun game or something. And I think that really distinguishes it from from some of the other events that I've been to over the years. Oh, absolutely. And every there's something for everybody. I mean, I've met up with several different friends who live across the country. Uh, and some events we all went to together, some things we each, you know, kind of picked and choose, uh, chose, you know, what we wanted to do. And there's something for everybody. And we all had a fantastic time. Now, what about the B&B? Now, was the B&B event separate? Or is, am I right they started together and then they went their separate ways? We had people so Friday, these, so Friday night to them. <laughs> So the, from the from what I know, the Friday night was a combination of it was guys' night out for B and B and Y and R. So it was a couple of guys from each, um, and then Saturday was all Y and R, and then Sunday was all B and B. But then other events after those initial ones were announced kind of popped up. Like uh, Melissa Claire Egan had her daytime for dogs event, which was fantastic. I was able to get to that one, and it, highly recommended. Uh, mend it, and it's a fantastic charity. I think it was Dharma, Dharma Dog Rescue. I think they were mm-hmm. do phenomenal work, and they had all these little adorable dogs with, that are all paralyzed with little wheelchairs, and you couldn't help but want to give them money. Um, so, and that was fantastic because we also got to see Rebecca Budig there um, and show her some love since we weren't able to do that at the GH weekend. Um, and then Saturday, so and then there were also I think some set tours that Bulls and the Beautiful did. Um, that you could do as well, where you want to visit the set and some of their locations where they film in the area. That's one of the things that I've always liked about, um, and I've noticed it at the Emmys, I've noticed it at um, various fan events, is the crossover. Like, you know, you mentioning Rebecca Budden coming to Melissa Claire Egan's event. Because just like the fans become friends from interacting over the years, so do the actors, you know? I mean, I will never forget a couple years ago being at the Emmys, and it was, I think it was when they were in New York, and so it was a while ago, and I believe it was Melissa Claire Egan, Rebecca Buttig, Christelle Staus, and somebody else. I can't remember who the fourth person was, and you could just tell they were thick as thieves. They were dancing the night away. They were just they were just having a blast, and you loved seeing that, you know that that just like you and I, when we go to work, we hopefully work with people that we really like, that they really enjoyed each other and that they were having a good time. And, and it, there's just something really, I love that. I love seeing that. Oh, absolutely. And I think that put everybody else at ease too. 
Um, but we see that at a lot of the events. Because um, I guess the going cross country to different events has been become a lot more popular. So you've got actors from multiple shows, and it's eventually going to rub off. I mean, at the end of the YNR event, uh, Haley Aaron and Robert Palmer Watkins walked in because um, they were going to see Cameron Grimes and a couple other of the actors, and it was like you kind of love when some of the actors you love in real life meet up and and hit it off too. Well, and it was funny you say that because uh, they just, when they were all down in Marco Island on the annual charity event that they go down to, I believe that's when Cameron first met them because they were all at that event. And you, and, and I was following their, uh, I was following them on Twitter and on Instagram and stuff. And you could see them becoming friends over the course of that weekend. You could see that these people just really enjoyed hanging out together and, and, you know, th- watch their friendships form. Now I'm curious, what did you think, there's been with YNR some controversy, of course, about the Tessa Mariah situation. And did you did you get any sense of how the majority of sort of the fans there felt about this? Um, well, I when I was talking to Mal, he asked me about it, and I said I think it's great. I think it was a long time coming for a storyline like this on YNR, and that they have such natural chemistry that it's it's almost a no brainer. Um, and he said that he was hearing that a lot that day. So I guess the people in the room uh, felt that way as well. I'm but I also think that, that you could give Cameron Grimes any story and she could sell it. I completely she, she, agree. I, th- I, I think she's say, that good. I agree. I have been a fan of hers since, you know, since she was a little, little kid. Um, I will say I'm not a big fan of Mariah and Devon. I just felt like it, it, it felt random to me. You know, it, sometimes on soaps, you get certain couples or certain storylines where you look at it and it felt like somebody said, well, we have this random character here, we have this random character here, let's just put them together. And I, I like them as friends. I've liked them as friends from the start. But when they, when they sort of crossed the line and became more than that, it, didn't, it just didn't work for me. And it's not because I'm a big Hillary and Devon fan. I mean, I do like Hillary and Devon, but even though I don't necessarily like the way that they've been written of late, but it had nothing to do with that. It was just for me personally – it didn't click. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah, I was hoping Scott was going to wind up with Mariah. Yes. I oh, I mean, I was a Kevin and Mariah fan. I was. I loved, and, and the fact that when they had sex, it was bad, I loved that. I wanted them to explore that and be like, because, you know, I know, I know that on soaps this is not something we're ever allowed to admit, but sometimes the first time you have sex with somebody, it's not great. You know, you have to learn each other's rhythms. And I thought that would be a kind of a cool modern story to explore is is a couple who, you know, wow, we hit the sheets and it was not good and sort of how they get past that. I would have I thought that would have been a fun story. See, I, I love them as friends. I was I was glad when they went back to being friends, but then it was okay, well then who do we have for either one of them? Right. Right. What do you think what do you make of Kevin coming back without Chloe? I'm okay with that. Because Chloe clearly needs help. So, and I, I couldn't understand. I actually wanted her to stay in hiding longer before the truth, you know, came out about her still being alive or even, you know, not finding her right away because there was so much story for Kevin as a new single dad and trying to navigate everything. And then lo- thinking he lost Chloe, I, there was so much there I couldn't understand. I couldn't understand that choice at all. I completely agree. I did not understand that at all. Um, and and honestly, I don't really understand him coming back without her because it 
I'll be interested to see how they make it make sense. You know, he left to Wait, have so is he back or was this like them. a one or two episode thing? Because I, I don't even know that much. My understanding is that, and they've been a little vague on it, but my understanding is that he is coming back, you know, and that I assume he's going to be sticking okay. around for a while. And if that's the case, if that is the case, how do you explain this? You know, he left to have his happily ever after with Chloe. We know Chloe is still out there somewhere. Does he... Does he, did she really die? You know, this time, like, they got an accident, and she really died, and he comes home and can't tell anybody that she really died because they all think she's already dead. I, I have no idea. I, I, have, I, have, I have spent more time than I probably should have thinking, how do you do um, this, you know? I, I could see her being in, like, a long-term treatment place because he finally realized, wow, she really needs, she needs monitoring, and she's someplace safe where no one else can find her, and he can bring, you know, Bella to visit her whenever he wants, and no one will be the wiser because everybody thinks problem, she's dead. The only problem I have with that is they gave, they very specifically gave, made Kevin make decisions that indicated that he loves Chloe and that she's his happily ever after. So if that's the case, what do you do with Kevin once you've got him back in town? Because you can't put him in a new relationship if, if his true love is locked away in a hospital trying to get better because that's kind of cold and heartless. You know what I mean? Yeah, but we have single dad. We have he's supposedly best friends with Scott. I mean, he went to the to the desert to go rescue him. <laughs> we don't have any cops in town investigating the sex ring. You know, like we there's I think there's a lot there. I mean, Lauren has dropped and Michael have dropped off the planet. We could bring them back. You know, right, I think I'm there's a you, lot there. I'm going to tell you right now, full full confession. If there were two two words that I could probably be happy never hearing again on the Young and the Restless right now, it's sex ring. <laughs> it just yes, it 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 just isn't a it isn't a good fit for the show. You know what I mean? Like, and and every few years this show tries to do something like that where they do like you know a murder mystery. Like let's I don't know if you were watching when um, Courtney was murdered up in the cabin. Uh, it, it, it yes, just, that was right at the not, beginning. Yes. Right, it was just not a good fit because it felt it just it just did not feel like a the kind of show. Not all soaps are are the same, and not all soaps can or should tell the same type of story. And and sometimes sometimes you know all soaps go into stories that they probably shouldn't. And this feels that way for me with the sex ring. I, you know, I I will say I'm very excited because there's some really cool stuff coming up in this story. But if if it comes to a conclusion, you know, like as we're heading into November sweeps, I'd be very happy with that. This is not a story I need to see necessarily unfolding for the next year and a half. Well, there's no cost to solve it, so it could take a year and a half. <laughs> I know. Where is Paul? Why is Sharon? In yeah, where is Paul? Day? I really would like an answer to that question. Where is Paul? Yeah, I'm hoping, you know, there were things that I have talked to Mal Young about in the past during various interviews and stuff. Um, and I am a very big fan of his sensibilities, and I'll be, and I'm hoping that those sensibilities will translate. For example, you know, Michael and Lauren. I, I, I hate that Michael and Lauren had good story for a while, and it seems as if that was just used. Sally just used them sort of as a way to introduce Daniel, and then once Daniel was on, I mean uh, Scott, and then once Scott was on the canvas, Michael and Lauren went back to the, back to their you know apartment to never leave again. I would like to see more of them. Um, I there's there's a lot of things like that that um, I'd like to see. I'd like to see Hillary become a real person and not such a you know sort of 
plot point bitch where whenever they need somebody to stir up trouble, oh, here comes Hillary. She'll tape, she'll tape Victoria and the Hawk, you know, having their conversation and put it on air, or she'll do this and put it on air. And, you know, we'll have people just come and sort of get in her face and yell at her because she's our bitch. But there's so much more to Hillary than that. And I really would like to see that fleshed out a bit. So I'm being familiar with some of his work when he was on EastEnders and knowing some of the stories he told over there and the kind of characters he's drawn to, I'm hoping that that's what we're going to see once his material starts airing, you know, probably around October. Um, I think like with Juan Caravati, we'll start seeing his influence a little bit earlier than when his episodes actually start airing. Cause I think he, you know, sort of had a little bit more input, but, but it's really around October which excites me because that means by November sweeps we should be getting his stuff, and I'm really excited to see what he has in mind for November sweeps. Yeah, I I agree. Well, any closing thoughts on the uh, fan club weekends and your and your events there, or really anything else? It's been a been a complete pleasure talking to you. <laughs> oh, same here. Thank you. Um, I, again, just everybody, if you get the chance to go go for it because they really are a lot of fun and the actors are so appreciative of you coming I'm on both the shows and I'm sure the other shows too that I don't happen to watch. They really appreciate you coming and saying, you know, that you enjoy their work because they, some of them flat out say, you're the reason I have a job, you know, and it's just also nice to see the people that you see in your living room, you know, five days a week. Um, and Mal Young actually mentioned something about how I, the Y&R event is usually every other year. But next year, being the 45th anniversary, he's hopeful to pull it off next year, too. So people will have the chance to, to do both because the GH1 is every year, and it's fantastic. Um, and the Y&R one hopefully will become every year, too. Yeah, I would really like to see that. They've been doing it biannual for a while, and I agree. I think it's, I think it's a nice opportunity for them to not only to interact with the fans, but also to sort of um, get the feedback, you know, that it's – Sometimes when you're on Twitter and you see the feedback, soap Twitter can be very intimidating and it can also be very nasty. And and it can blow little things into big, big out-of-proportion things. So I think it's very nice for them to get to actually interact with fans and not do it through the lens of, you know, a maybe an angry fan group that that, you know, sort of tries to do the squeaky wheel gets the gets the grease thing or through 140 characters to actually get to sit and talk to people and say what do you like what do you not like i think that's i think that's very helpful for them oh definitely and it also makes the fans also feel like you're heard because you know you're on twitter some people don't want to put their opinions on twitter for for different reasons because you get tagged in one thing and suddenly you're down a rabbit hole that you had no intention of going into and it's not even what you said but now you're tagged in it and you're stuck you know, just to go in and, and just feel like you, your voice got heard, even if it was just to say thank you or can you please stop this storyline, this is ridiculous. Just knowing it got heard makes you feel better. And I think yeah. that's one of the issues I'm having with GH right now is that the perception of whatever is happening over there, the fact that no one's saying anything is making it so much worse. So regardless of what the truth is, it looks like you're cutting people because you need money or you're making knee-jerk reactions because you don't like the ratings or whatever it is. The fact that nobody's saying anything also says a lot. And when that rumor started hitting about, you know, swapping out Jason Thompson and Billy Miller and all that, CBS came right out and said, listen, cut the crap. That's not happening. And it died. With nobody saying anything over at GH, it's making it worse. 
What do you think the biggest problems are over there, aside from, you know, sort of the nobody speaking up about them? But, I mean, I look at GH, and it's been it's been one of my shows. I, you know, everybody has their shows. GH has been one of my shows. It's probably one of the first ones I ever started watching. But I, I – as I talk about regularly on the show, I think there are a lot of problems right now. And so, you know, if, when you look at the show, what do you see? For me as a viewer, knowing that the characters that you've spent all this time getting me invested in, like almost forcing me to get invested in, now all of a sudden mid-story we're yanking them out. But also from the, the personal side, I can't imagine what it's like to be on staff over there knowing that they're going to swing the axe at any time and it could hit anybody. That makes me feel bad for the people working there and almost not want to support the show because what must this be like, you know, to work in a situation like that? When you see continually contract negotiations going down to the point where they have to be written out either unexpectedly. I mean, just in the past year it happened with – with uh, Tyler Christopher, Becky Herbst, Roger Howarth, and now with Will DeVry. I mean, that, so if you're going to do this to every one of your actors, what's the incentive to stay? So that for me, and that's also, the personal side of it, is what they're doing to their own people. And I think, the, unfortunately, we see that reflected when you take it out of the personal and put it on strictly on the show and what we're seeing on air, I think we see the fallout of that. You know, when, when characters disappear for weeks at a time or, I mean, frankly, it's funny. I, I started at the very top of the show saying uh, that we soap fans can sometimes be very hypocritical. And this is one of those cases where many exactly. of us many of us look at General Hospital and say, this show is way too big. It's bloated. It needs a major cast cut. But the question becomes, who are you going to cut? Because as soon as you go to cut somebody, you're going to hear from that fan base saying, well, we love that character. You know, don't cut that one, cut this one. Uh, we saw that with with Rebecca Buttig. You know, there was there was a there were some people in the audience who were like, yeah, you know, Hayden is not a character we need. Get rid of her. She's not really connected to anybody, even though you connected her to Liz because you never really played that beat. But then you see all the other people on the other side who have come to really love the character and loved Hayden and Finn and were like, no, don't get rid of my character. And I think that's where you need to make strong, bold decisions and you need to you need to not do it behind, you know, behind a... a impenetrable wall, you need to come forward and say, listen, these are the decisions we have to make. We're making decisions. You, you, know, you guys have said the cast is too big. We're, we're making this, and not every decision is going to be popular, but we hope you'll stand by us and see where we come out on the other side. You know what I mean? Yeah. But, again, that would, just, that would be saying something. Um, and, actually, I do have one other random thing, just because it's been bugging me for months. The fact that there was no mention of Sabrina at the nurse's ball when she's the one who brought it back, and did it in memory of someone, the fact that they didn't even do anything to say in memory of has been bugging me for months, and I needed to get that out. <laughs> I, you know, I completely get that, and that that's one of those things that soaks do the out of sight, out of mind. I was just talking to someone about that today with, the bold, with regard to the bold and the beautiful. It's insane to me that no matter what happens in Los Angeles, nobody ever mentions Thomas and Steffi's mother, Taylor. She's a huge part of the show's history, you know, and they don't like, like to not even mention her when Steffi goes to Australia to get married, 
to you know Thomas is dealing with the fact that that his his supposed you know that Caroline is supposedly dying. How easy would it be to just have Thomas pick up the phone and call his mom and even just have a one way conversation? We don't necessarily need to see Taylor, but but mention her. Let her be an alive presence out there. Why is why are Tony and Kristen the only foresters that ever from the past that ever seem to be mentioned? We never mentioned Felicia or Bridget or you know it's 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 difficult when you have two major characters on the show in Steffi and Thomas, whose mother was a huge part of the first two or three decades of this show, and we never mention her. That yeah. makes me crazy. That makes me crazy. Well, and GH is doing it now, too. Lucas still hasn't been told his sister almost died, and he right. works at that hospital. Right. Like, they mentioned that right. they we called did. Molly to tell her, but they haven't called Lucas. It would have been two words to add to that sentence. Exactly, exactly. And it's little things like that that make fans crazy. And, you know, some of the audience will say, oh, you're making too much of it. But no, the reason that soaps thrive and succeed is because we, have, we develop a personal connection with these people. We see them every day in our living rooms. I have spent more time watching, you know, I've spent more time with the characters of General Hospital over the last six weeks than I have my own family. You know, I see my parents like, like, like once or twice a year. I see these people every single day. And so you develop, you know everything about their lives because they only exist when they're on your television. You have a personal connection to them. And so when something rings false, when somebody doesn't add in, you know, the, 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 like you said, the two words it would take to say we called Molly and Lucas, it's so it, it, it seems like such a little thing, but it's so glaring to people who care about those characters. Absolutely. I want to thank you so much. You made this uh, – you really you made this hour fly by. I really was not looking forward to tonight's show because my voice has been bothering me. And I was I, – five minutes before the show, I was thinking, could I cancel? Could I just get away with not doing it? And and you really – I really appreciate you calling, giving us your, your, your thoughts on the fan weekends and stuff. You were a delightful guest. Well, thank you so much. I didn't realize I had talked so much, and I apologize to everyone that just had to listen to all of that. I have a, I have a feeling they enjoyed it as much as I did. All right. Well, thank you so much, and feel better. Thank you. Thank you very much. Um, I want to. I want to. You know, um, Fran had said something about how the actors. They like hearing from 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 fans. They like hearing because they are the reason they do what they do, and I feel the same way. You know, I always say that. I have the greatest job in the world. You know, I am, I am a soap fan. That's, I've been a soap fan all my life. And if you had told me, if you had told me 20 years ago that I would get paid to, you know, to work in a soap opera magazine, tweet while I'm watching the shows, have, have a, a podcast where I talk to people and, you know, that I would get paid to talk about this thing that I love so much, you know, I would not have believed it. And the reason that I have this and the reason that I've had it for 20 years now, because, you know, the magazine is celebrating its 20th anniversary this year, the reason I have it is because of every single one of you who's listening, every single one of you who I tweet with, every one of you who buys the magazine. When you buy that magazine, you're supporting me. You know, you're, you're, you're helping me to continue to do what I love. So um, I really thank you very, very much from the bottom of my heart because it really does mean a lot to me. Um, I want to thank Fran for calling in and, and sharing her experience at the fan club events. Um, I haven't been to a fan club event in ages. We have staff that goes to them. 
And I always love hearing from fans who actually get to attend the events and what their thoughts were and what their takeaway was. But more importantly, I'm really glad Fran called because that tells you it wasn't just me at the top of the show saying, you know, listen, there is stuff out there that is not true. There is stuff that, you know, people are claiming and that sites are posting as fact when it's not fact. You know, it's one thing for me to say that. I work really hard to earn a good reputation with you guys. I, you know, I do not lie to you guys, and I try to, you know, if I don't know the answer to something, I tell you I don't know the answer. I don't make up crap and pretend it is the answer. And the reputation of the magazine and the reputation that I have among you guys is really important to me. And so it's nice to have somebody come on and say, yeah, what Richard was saying is true. You know, these, these things you might be reading out there, no, that didn't happen. Anyway, a real blast, um, as always. Um, if you missed, by the way, I want to give a little shout-out. If you missed it, about a week ago, I posted an interview I did with Danny Horn. Um, Danny Horn is the author of the Dark Shadows Every Day blog, which – if you you know if you follow me on Facebook or Twitter or you know whatever you know that this is a blog that I just cherish um, uh, and it's uh, obviously it's about the soap Dark Shadows the old the old um, soap opera that um, started off being a gothic show and then introduced a vampire um, and then introduced witches and and warlocks and werewolves and and it's just the the, the craziest most that guano thing to ever air on television. And the author of it, Danny Horn, is one of the funniest, best writers on the planet. So when you combine those two things, it's a blast. I interviewed him and posted the interview last week. If you haven't listened, give it a listen, because one of the things we talk about is the mistakes that Dark Shadows made, which eventually led to its cancellation, and how you can see some of those unfolding on modern soaps. We talk about a lot of stuff. We go all over the map. It's a really fun interview and I'm really glad that I was I I'm glad to call him my friend and that he took the time to do the interview. You can find it in the archives and if you can't find it, hit me up on Twitter or wherever and I will send you a link because it's a good interview and I think you'll enjoy it. Um, that's it for this week. As you guys know, I'm Richard, the executive editor of Soaps in Depth magazine and you can find me on Twitter at Soaps in Depth ABC and Soaps in Depth CBS and my personal account is at How Rude Are You, and I tweet primetime stuff, which I'm going to start doing in a few minutes, at All TV All Shade. Uh, you know, you can pretty much you can't you can't go on the internet and not stumble upon me somewhere. I thank you very much for listening. I thank you for being here. I hope you guys have a really nice week. I'll be uh, live tweeting all the shows again tomorrow. And remember, because it's soaps, what do we always say you have to do? It's right there in the name of the show. Tune in tomorrow.